It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday morning, everybody. Welcome to the VolQuest podcast. Brought to you by Exterior Home Solutions. Anytime you need some window repair, some siding, some roofing, give them a call uh, today. And also go on to their website. It's ExteriorHomeSolutions.com. Awesome. They've been a great, great partner for us. And they're there for you when you need that help. That's right. Give Jeff and Dustin a call. Two guys, high-quality individuals that know how to cut up and laugh and have a good time, but also take uh, you know any problem you have very seriously and get it fixed for you. Give Exterior Home Solutions a call. 865-524-5888, 865-524-5888 for a free estimate today. That is Exterior Home Solutions. That is awesome price. Rob Lewis, Brent Hubs, I'm Eric Kane. A whole lot going on today here on the VolQuest podcast. Appreciate you guys for tuning in, checking out all of our work, recruiting, spring football, basketball just wrapping up, baseball, all that coverage, VolQuest.com every single day. Uh, with that, guys, I thought we'd just go ahead and dive into a little football conversation. Spring practice week one is in the books. And uh, Rob, me and Brent kind of talked about this a little bit last night. But uh, overall, it's uh, a lot more depth, better numbers for Tennessee. It's a good start. But of course, the pads came on for practice one on Saturday. And we'll learn a lot more about Tennessee football this week. Well, I mean, the, the depth would almost have to be better from you know, from last year. I think mean, that- <laughs> Well, I mean that I mean, what that was pretty much the storyline of was. spring practice. You know, last year was you know injuries, especially you know the secondary in particular. I mean, you had safeties playing quarter, you had walk-ons playing safety, and you know you know freshmen thrown out there. So um, yeah, I mean just I mean just getting all those kids here early from you know, freshmen transfers, even you know you got a, a handful of guys sitting out, but. I mean, last year, that was that was the headline of spring practice. Yeah, I mean, there was there was no guys in the secondary. I mean, it was it was a great opportunity for uh, Tamarian McDonald, who kind of earned a starting spot, uh, or at least, you know, planted that seed at this time last year. William Wright was getting a ton of reps at cornerback. Uh, not so much the same story this spring, this go-around Austin Price, uh, but still a chance to, you know, see kind of where you are numbers-wise. What were your overall thoughts Week one, we got to see four practices, one extended practice for the viewing period at least. What did you come away with after week one? Well, those before I do that, they, those reps that William Wright got last spring, they helped him. We had to go in against Alabama and help yeah. him up there late. So, I mean, you never know when your number will be called upon. Um, but, I mean, it's just a deeper football team. Um, the, the one worry that I have is the offensive line. Outside of that, I feel pretty confident, you know, in just about every position. Um, you know, I, I feel like they can be deeper at tight end, but I, I'm with hubs and, and, you know, Ethan Davis is going to be a, a guy that helps this, you know, program, you know, sooner rather than later. Now, again, he's got to pick up the blocking part of that. So if, if he doesn't pick that part up, it'll be hard to find the field. Um, but you know, Tennessee, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, kind of, will they run some four wide receiver sets this fall? I can see it, but so much of what they do involves a tight end it's hard to see them doing that extensively right i mean maybe like on just a a straight like okay this drive we're just going full receivers you know balls you know and just go crazy um you know i I just i like the way this team's made up and it's made up to me with the young defensive guys i just have a feeling that's going to be where we're what we're talking about all fall camp and into the season they're going to score points but that's where they take the step i've said that for a while 
And really, Brent, you know, kind of for the first time since Josh Hobble's been here, and I'm recognized here, I'm not saying that this defense has arrived and this defense is where they want to be. They, they need to improve a little bit. They have improved, but they need to continue to improve. Uh, but when you look at the defense, Brent, you return so many up front. You lose Byron Young, and that's a concern. Uh, like Austin said, you need some of those young guys off the edge to, to really make a difference. But you return an awful lot on the defensive line. Love the mix of talent at linebacker. And even in the secondary, though it's got to get better, you return an awful lot and you add some athletic youth as well as an impact transfer. I like what this defense is looking like here in spring. And as you kind of wrote about on Monday morning, I bet the defense will have a good day in spring in spring scrimmage number one, which is normal here at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 my 3-2-1 prediction was that the defense would win the scrimmage on Saturday. I think for two reasons. One, where this defense is right now. Two, you had the offensive coordinator step into the, to the media microphone last week and say, Tim Banks can cut it loose and do anything he wants to do against us because we're not afraid of the mistakes in spring. We need to learn and grow from them. And so because there's no – I don't think it's going to – so many times through the years I've seen scrimmages set up for somebody to win, one side of the ball to win or the passing game to win or pass coverage to win or whatever – these guys put the ball down and go play football. And I think right now that, you know, you probably feel like this defense is in better shape to do that. Uh, but because of the blend of experience, the athleticism they have, and you have concerns up front on the offensive line at tackle, you know, and, and how physical are the tight ends going to be? I, I told, I think I told Austin this, I don't remember who I told this over the weekend. It's a bad sign. And maybe I said this on the, on the rewind last night. It's a bad sign. If, the defensive ends or the offensive tackles dominate, okay? Because because if the defensive ends dominate, you may have a false sense of how good they, those guys are because that may be your offensive line, your offensive tackles are really not very good. If your offensive tackles dominate, then maybe your defensive ends are a long ways away. You kind of want to push out of those two positions, in my opinion, in this scrimmage when it comes to pass rush. And so – uh, we'll see, but I expect the defense to to win the first scrimmage because I think they'll be a little further along. Uh, but I think it'll be, you know, I think there'll be some interesting reports coming out, and I think it'll be a lot about young guys, you know, come out of this out of this scrimmage who who showed up and made some plays as young guys. If you're not going to get a pushover, you want the defensive ends to make plays. Like I, I just I, with where they're at at offensive tackle, I'd rather know than have a false sense of security at offensive tackle going forward but that's just me though yeah i mean you know i i think for, for i think you got to be careful not to get a false sense for both those sides right i mean sure you know if you don't want a false sense that your defensive ends have suddenly arrived you know and your offensive tackles are you know that's the question marks even bigger than you thought it was going to be at this point so we'll, we'll see i mean you know they've got a week to get ready saturday was their first day in pads um, we'll see how physical everybody is um, and, and go from there. And I know Rodney Garner wasn't elated with the physicality at the end of the screen or in the end of the day. Stunned. Um, yeah, stunned. But he was more positive than he typically is, Austin. I mean, you, you know, um, but, um, you know, I, I think I think this week the big question is the physicality of the ends, offensive tackles, and tight ends. That That's my question about this team this week when you talk about what are you looking for this week. Who answers the call of the physicality at those three spots? He was he was positive because he was he had taken the pain meds from the knee surgery uh, about period eighteen, and they had kicked in when he met with the media. 
I'll say this. Uh, I missed the media because I was covering the baseball game, but I went back and watched the video over on our side and um, and on and on the uh, YouTube page. Please subscribe. Uh, he was really complimentary, Austin, of Caleb Herring. Like, said, hey, I think he's going to be a good player. Means something to him. He's long. He's working hard. Um, it, it's it's kind of difficult to draw some high praise, especially this early. And again, it's not saying he's arrived. He's got to get there. But had a lot of good things to say about Caleb Herring. Yeah, again, not surprised. I, getting back around Elijah, gets focused in, um, has put on a ton of weight. Athletically, has always had everything you want, has the frame to throw on more weight and, and, and maintain speed. So maybe surprised that he's getting this much praise, but not surprised that he's doing what he's doing. Well, and I think the other thing that you see with him is, one, he, he, he really does like ball. He really likes playing football. And, and two – um, I think it's because of his brother. There's a level of maturity there with him, right? Like you, you're not going to be silly. You're not going to be late. You're not going to be goofing off because his brother will jerk a knot in his chain in a heartbeat. And, and I think that helps, you know, if you're, if you're the coach and the guy who's been on campus for six weeks is you're not having to, you know, remind him of doing all this or doing that. I mean, he's got a maturity about him off the field as well as on the field you're going to get praise. And I think Caleb Herring's got a lot of maturity about it. Which segues into this week's Ball Club Confidential with the Herring Brothers. Tune in this Friday at the <laughs> same YouTube channel. Plug in Ball Club Confidential. Plug in the Ball Quest YouTube channel. We're, we're checking all the boxes here. Uh, kind of on that Caleb Herring note, um, all of us, and you know, fans included, you know, want, want to know about the new guys, newcomers, freshmen, transfers. Because uh, we, we just don't know what they are as football players, right? And we spoke ad nauseum, it feels like, on Keenan Peely, what, what he's looked like this week. Uh, a little bit of Gabe Judy, Lolly, the BYU transfers, some Ricky Gibson, um, you know, some some Arian Carter, and, and and that's all good. We'll learn more about, of course, all those guys and more the, the, this week with full pads and the scrimmage. Any other newcomers maybe that you've heard about or that you've noticed on the practice field for Tennessee, uh, good or bad, just some observations from newcomers, Brent? For me, it's Ethan Davis, and and, and I forgot know, to mention him. Of course, we talked I, about him. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to sound like I was Mister Negative. I know. Plant that, that flag, Hubbard. Plant that flag. No, no, I'm not planting. The hey, flag. hey, AP. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of Ben and Christian Harrison from camp last year. Oh come on, man! You're kidding me, right? I think Ethan Davis will play for sure. Next, next you're gonna next you're gonna compare me to Paul Fortenberry and Woody Quinn from about ten years ago. Come he on. doesn't know who either, either one of those people are. <laughs> I know Paul. <laughs> so anyway, here's what I'll say about Ethan Davis. He's further along with the shoulder, obviously, and is allowed to do more. And physically, he looks better than I anticipated. I'm gonna throw this caveat out there. This is the one red flag that I have with Ethan Davis right now. When he met with the media, he made it very clear he was a big receiver, basically. Yeah. Who's tied in. So the question, it's why I wrote it in the three, two, one this week, is how physical can that group of tight ends become? They're gonna miss Princeton Fant, Austin, and and Rob. I, I mean, because of all the little dirty things he did. And I don't mean dirty in a negative way, but I mean just, you know, the blocking and the pass protection, those things. Can Jacob Warren do that at the end of his career? What's McCallan Castles? Is he a block? Where's he from a blocker? He's a pass catcher. You know, I mean, right now you look like you got, I mean, Jacob Warren was a big receiver, Rob, coming out of Farragut High School. You kind of got three big receivers playing tight end. Can that group find the physicality that you need for this team to do what they want to do in the run game? 
uh, and in the pass game with their pass protection. That's the big question for me about that group. Are we are we are we saying that he's the Eurosh of, of the football team? Is that what you're saying? No. No. Um, mean, but no, I'm with you. I'm with you. Like you're talking about three guys that have all kind of been predominantly pass catchers, right? That now are going to need so which which comes back to like if you're one of those walk on guys, if you're Browder or, or somebody like that, Hunter Salmon, like, aren't you trying to find your niche as the guy who blocks? Because you might actually find your way onto the field. Yeah, you will. I mean, the, the challenge is because they go fast, they don't want to substitute a lot. Those guys have to be – they have to be more than serviceable as blockers. They, they've got to be – they've got to be guys who can block in there and be effective blocking, or it's going to negate some of the things that they want to do. And here's the other thing, too. You need those guys to help your, your offensive tackles where you're not sure. I mean – Go back and look. How many times was Princeton Fant lined up on the left side? Was that because they were a left-handed football team, or was that because they needed help over there because they weren't sure where they were at left tackle? Right side didn't have to worry about anything, right? Because Darnell had it under control. But but where's your help going to come from there? I mean, I think I think the physicality of, of that position is – I don't doubt their athletic ability and their skill level as pass catchers, Eric. I just wonder, can they block well enough? That's, to me, what they've got to prove the most over the course of the next three weeks. Yeah, I would agree. And um, I mean, we know you and I talk about how important the tight end position is to this offense. I mean, it's critical. And, you know, we all covered Ethan Davis's recruitment and, and we knew that that was kind of his role in high school. He was big, athletic, fast, line up out wide in the slot, didn't have a whole lot of in line experience. And so I couldn't agree more coming off an injury to uh, as well, where he's probably not still 100 percent, but he's good enough to go. It's going to be a big-time question mark in terms of can he get some physicality work inside, in line this spring. Um, you look at some other newcomers uh, for Tennessee. Uh, what about Omar Norman Lott on the defensive line? Um, kind of going 100 miles an hour. That's a rotational position and everything. feel like he might have got baptized into learning how to play for Rodney Garner this past week, just like all the other newcomers on the defensive line do. But he's a guy that will help Tennessee at some point. Yeah, I mean, he, he's going to be a guy that, that, again, can can plug in, play, and that's what you want him to be. Anytime you bring in a transfer, you want somebody that can come in and give you consistency, someone who's you know understands it, gets it. Now, again, learning to play for Rodney Garner is different than getting recruited by Rodney Garner. Oh, yeah. G is very honest with the recruits, probably to a fault at times. But Big Papa Bear comes out on the practice field. And so, you know, just kind of understanding what you're going to get day in, day out on the practice field from G. To me, there's a learning curve there. And so, um, you know, I, I think Omar Norman Law will be fine. I think ultimately he's a guy that, you know, you just want to settle down, settle in, and, and kind of find his niche on the defensive line. Yeah, right, so big, we, we, go big, ahead, Brent. Big, big Papa Bear. I don't know that Rodney is big Papa Bear. He may be angry Papa Bear, Papa Bear on, <laughs> on the practice field. Uh, what was all said? I thought I thought it was an interesting thing that that he noted that Matthew Butler had an assist uh, in the recruitment uh, of Lot because Lot's trainer guy who helped him helped him train used to be with the Raiders and knew Matthew Butler. So when Lot was trying to learn more about Rodney Garner, he had his trainer contact Matt Butler and talk about what what Rodney Garner did for him, and that was a bit of a tie that they had, even though Rodney Garner talked to to lot a year ago when he went in the portal and then ultimately decided to stay at Arizona State. 
We spoke on this earlier as we kind of transition here in a moment, but the look uh, a look at, ahead to this week. Uh, spring practice scrimmage number one is going to come up on Saturday. A couple of padded practices this week. Uh, concern, obviously, is the offensive line trying to figure out who's going to replace Darnell Wright, who's going to replace Jerome Carvin. Um, that will not be finished at the end of this week, of course. But, Austin, anything else that you're looking for this week from Tennessee here in spring practice number uh, week number two? Just trying to get through the week healthy. You know, Devon, uh, Dante Thornton did not practice Saturday, kind of retweaked the hamstring a little bit, which had bothered him back during winter workouts. Um, you know, just stay healthy. Yeah, I think with Thornton, you just, you're very cautious there. I'm not saying you shut him down, but you don't take any chances. If I'm Kurt Smith, the strength coach, I, I'm, I'm conveying, hey, let's get this guy 100% healthy so that he can do everything he needs to do. You don't want this thing to linger for, for months, you know, and be a problem. So, um, that one there, I think the question is, going. does Cam Seldon, where is he? He was in a red jersey. Does, does he take that contact? Does he go and scrimmage? Because you want to see what you look like at running back behind Jalen Wright. Um, I think Dylan Sampson looks better, but kind of where are you behind Jalen Wright at this point? Um, and does Cam Seldon get, get the opportunity to do that this weekend? So I'm with Austin. Stay healthy to get to Saturday. Um, and then again, where are you from a, from a physicality standpoint at a lot of levels, particularly with those young guys, right? Aaron Carter, Robbie, I mean, he catches an interception across the middle and that's beautiful. That's seven on seven football. Where is it when you're downhill in the run game in full, you know, in full gear and all that kind of stuff. So that's the question this week is how do those young guys handle, um, the physicality leading up to the first scrimmage? I want to know what they look like in the back end coming out of the scrimmage. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think everybody does. Um, again, so many returners, you add to that group, yeah. who, who's it going to be? I just think you want to know who makes some plays. Like, who puts themselves in the mix, right? I mean, is that is that going to be a real big jigsaw puzzle to figure out, or is that one of those kid puzzles that's got the little thumb tabs on it with about six guys, seven <laughs> guys? In I mean, how big of a puzzle are you trying to build out of with that? And that, to me, that's what this spring is about. Do you have – do you have 10 guys who are possibilities back there? Do you feel like you've got seven, eight, 12? How many do you come out of spring going, hey, they are in the they are in this puzzle and, and we try to make it all fit that way? Is it a big puzzle or a little puzzle? What kind of puzzle do you like? Uh, what kind of puzzle do I like? I like easy puzzles, AP. I like, I like easy ones. When was the last time any of us did a puzzle? Oh, uh, see, now here's the thing. I'm going to tell on myself because y'all watch right. all the Netflix shows. My wife likes puzzles. There's been a few puzzles worked in the wintertime in this house. So, like, are these thousand, five thousand? What kind well, of? Well, no, they're thousand piece puzzles. You oh, got hard that makes me want to throw up. up. My, my kids and my, my in laws, dude, they put together puzzles all the time. Do I participate? No, I don't. Because I just don't want to. <laughs> Rob, do you a big puzzle guy? I am not, EC. <laughs> stunned, stunned, stunned. Now, I've never seen an episode of Yellowstone, Breaking Bad. Or any of these other shows that y'all watch on Netflix, but by golly, I'm the old man with my grape nuts for breakfast and a cup of coffee making a puzzle. That's me. I'm officially old. You're you're gonna be the guy on the Andy Griffith show that 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 sits out there playing checkers, and then y'all go get into that shout match. <laughs> Big week number two coming up for Tennessee spring practice. Practice on uh, Thursday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. Is that right, Brent? Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Yeah, scrimmage on Saturday and yeah. Tuesday, Thursday this week. 
And of course, we'll have all that coverage right over here at VolQuest.com. I'm going to talk uh, closing remarks on Tennessee basketball here in just one second with Rob Lewis. Obviously, March Madness is going on right now. The Final Four, it's coming up, and it's time for you to, if you haven't already, go ahead and shoot your shot, score big with the nonstop action over at MyBookie. Whether you're filling out multiple brackets, betting on who you think from the Final Four might go on and win the championship, or simply looking for a player and game props, MyBookie has got you covered. Getting started with MyBookie, it's simple. Visit the website online, make your first deposit, use that promo code VOLQUEST to claim an exclusive deposit bonus. That's promo code VOLQUEST, V-O-L-Q-U-E-S-T, spelling's hard, to claim some extra money on top of your initial deposits. With hundreds of thousands of prizes for March Madness and weekly blackjack tournaments, you can turn your game day into a payday with MyBookie. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. And as always, a big-time shout-out to the presenting sponsor of the VolQuest Podcast. That is Exterior Home Solutions. Tennessee basketball season has come to an end, falling to FAU on Thursday night in the Sweet 16. FAU goes down and, and takes care of Kansas State onto the Final Four. Uh, but no more Vol hoops. Rob Lewis, you were on scene. Kind of get or let's get some closing remarks on the Tennessee basketball team. Unfortunate ending, uh, but getting to the second weekend of the tournaments, I would have said that that would have shocked me going into the tournament. To be completely honest with you, yeah. I mean, if 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 it had happened in a vacuum, if they just made the Sweet Sixteen and and that was it, you know, I think everybody would have viewed this season as 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 a success. But you get there, you face a nine seed. You're not facing Purdue, you know. You're a four versus a nine, and you know, and you you kind of help Cinderella put on the glass slipper a little bit. So I, mean, I I get that Tennessee fans are upset, but it's you know it, it's a conundrum. I mean, how do you view it? This is a school that has twenty has seven twenty five win seasons. You know, the head coach that everybody is mad at has has four of those twenty five win seasons. You know, he I I just. You know, at the end of the day, I'll, I'll remember this season because of the injuries and because of the missed opportunities. I mean, what what if Zakai doesn't, you know, tear his ACL the second to last game of the season? You know, how does how does that impact, you know, Tennessee in in, in the NCAA? It's an, it's an impossible question to answer, but I'll just say, you know, at the end of the day, you can't take the SEC's leader in assist and a first team All Defensive Player off off your team, off your starting five, and not expect there to be a drop-off also yeah, can't get out rebounded by a team that has one starter above six foot four is that right i would agree with that for sure yeah, that was bad i mean we always talk about the offense it comes and goes and that's important but i mean you were right on thursday night i mean at one point in time tennessee was being out rebounded by 10 in the second half i think the i think the overall difference is just four or five so it wasn't that bad but still you got out rebounded by fau brand that told a big portion of the of the story of that game but you know, Tennessee basketball, injuries is what you'll remember. Um, obviously, there's going to be some big-time movements uh, roster-wise heading into next season as well. Yeah, no doubt. And, and I think the thing fans have a hard time with, and, and you know, that's the – if you don't have a dog in the fight, that's why you love the tournament. Um, but there's nothing in the tournament that says at the end of the year, Rob Lewis, the best team always wins. Um, that's, the, that's the beauty of the tournament. I mean – if you play a seven-game series, I mean, how many of these final four teams are going to win a best of seven um, against, you know, a number one seed or, or somebody that, that's a favorite? I mean, I don't know. But, you know, again, that's the beauty of the tournament. Now, the question for Tennessee moving forward is what does this team look like, Rob, and how do they find scoring 
what does this team look like offensively moving forward? And why is there the struggle for this team to seem to find offense? Was that just a one-off on this team this year? Is that the Barnes focuses too much on defense? You know, what what's the storyline for this team offensively moving forward? I mean, I, nobody knows the answer to that question because you don't know what the team's going to look like next year. I mean, I, I, I have no idea what the offense – is going to look like, but I don't, I don't necessarily think it's a one-off. Um, I mean, I don't know that I would consider, I mean, they, they were probably points were easier to come by last year, maybe with, with Kennedy, but I mean, when's the last time you thought this was a great offensive basketball team? I mean, I, maybe, maybe since Grant was here. So what do you think this roster ends up looking like? I mean, I don't, I, I know the crystal ball. I mean, I, I'm not asking for specific names on who's percentages, percentages, Rob, we need percentages. <laughs> How, you know, what, what do you think? And, and, and I asked Grant this on, on the rewind. I mean, how quick if you're Rick Barnes and the staff, do you have to have an answer from the seniors on what they're going to do so you can move forward? Oh, I think, I think but before this, before this week is over, I mean, I, I think quick. And I, and I think, I think coach Barnes probably already knows what the answer is. You think they're I mean, all gone? I, I do personally. I mean, but you know, the door's open. I mean, I'm, if, if somebody changes their mind, not going to be surprised, but, but I, I would, I mean, Rick, Rick may not know a hundred percent, but I, I would say he has an excellent idea. And I, I mean, and I would say there's also some guys he would, or a guy that he would say, no, thank you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're good. <laughs> Move on. So uh, I, mean, <laughs> I think that uh, I, I think it'll look a lot different. And again, I, I'll, I'll be I'll be surprised if any of those seniors come back. I'm not saying it's impossible. It's not impossible, but just right now it would it would catch me off guard. I mean, I, I think the portal. biggest the biggest storyline for me is the guy's knee. Yeah. How you know how quick? What's what's that rehab like? How quick does he get back? How quick is he 100? percent Rob transfer portal Tennessee. Just like all the teams, going to be evaluating, checking the tape, having conversations. Uh, Tennessee's got to find, I would imagine, a shooter, a proven shooter, but also maybe a point guard. Shooter, shooters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, totally. I mean, you look at, you know, the shooting on this team is you're, you're losing Santiago. You're by far your best shooter. You're losing, you know, probably losing Santiago. Let me put, put it that way. By far your best shooter. You know, Ty, Tyreek Key didn't have a great year, but he was. You know, one of your one of your better shooters. I mean, I, I think guard heavy. I mean, I, you know, I'm not saying Tennessee wouldn't take a good big, but they're looking hard at guards. Um, AP, we talked about the the, the kid transfer from Western Kentucky, uh, Davian McKnight. That's a guy, the point guard that Tennessee's going to be after. Uh, the guard from Temple, name is escaping me right now. That's what I mean. Tennessee and everybody in the country is going to be chasing that kid. Um, and you're going to hear a lot of names. Brandon Murray, who. who who is at Georgetown right now? Tennessee was in deep with him last year uh, when he left LSU. You know, I, I think they'll kick the tires on that one. But you know, three schools in three years—I'm not sure if that's a—I'm not sure if that's a Rick Morris type of kid. But you know, then, you know, you, you ha- but you have to look into those situations. You know, he's leaving Georgetown. It was a coaching change. You know, I think there were some NIL promises made to Brandon Murray that that may or may not have come to fruition. So I wouldn't necessarily just rule him out because of three times, you know, three schools in three years, but that's, that's one you look at, but I, I think Tennessee, and I've said this on the board. I mean, there will literally be dozens, dozens of kids that assistant coaches support staff guys or are calling on calling people they know in the business. I mean, it's, it's going to be a wacky two or three weeks here 
with the transfer portal. Rob, I know you wrote about Freddie Dillion. Um, what what is his game for for fans, and and what what can he bring to this offense that maybe they didn't have this year? If that's there, what, what do you see out of his game and watching? I mean, him? he's a, he's a he's a guy. I mean, he's a guy that Tennessee did not have this year. I mean, he can he can put the ball on the floor and go get you a bucket, and that's and on the other end, he's got defensively like any freshman. He's got miles to go. Strength wise, got to get a lot stronger. But he's a guy that can he can put it on the floor. He can get into the paint and pull up from twelve. He can get to the rim. He's a really clever finisher with with both hands. He's a decent, solid three point shooter. I would expect that to get a lot better. But he's a I mean, and I'm not saying that Tennessee got to plug him in in January. Don't don't misunderstand that. I mean, he was not ready. But as far as you know, in his age group when he's with his peers, he's a guy that that can score the basketball legitimately at all three levels. And then finally, last thing, Rob, on hoops, uh, one name we haven't mentioned, but it's expected to go through the process and, and make a decision. It's got to be Julian Phillips. Been all up and down to mock drafts uh, uh, in terms of being an NBA prospect. Uh, he's a guy that Rick Barnes would love to have back, but that's obviously not a guarantee, and we won't know that for a while, I would imagine. No, I don't, you're not going to know that until after he works out for some team. I mean, like, like you said, Eric, 100% expect him to declare, leave the door open to come back but go, go to work out for some teams, maybe go to the combine. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's he, he would benefit by coming back by just about every kid in his shoes. But, you know, how many guys have, have made decisions to, you know, to, to chase, chase the money and, and go work on their games full time? I mean, it's, he's always wanted to be a professional basketball player. Don't know that he ever wanted to be a college sophomore. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, I just – I. 100% expect him to go and, and, and look and, and, and get some feedback. That time in terms of basketball, we'll be paying attention to roster management, which of those COVID seniors, uh, you know, when will they announce that they are leaving and or maybe come back? That's not the expectation, but we'll see. We'll be tracking Julian Phillips' uh, impending decision to declare for the NBA draft, all that and more basketball recruiting, as now we are officially in the offseason mode for Rick Barnes' program. Let's go back to recruiting. Let's talk some football recruiting. Some of the highlights, Austin Price. I know there were some big-time commits in town this weekend, but also who did Tennessee move the needle with who came into town who has not been committed to the volunteer program? Well, I thought Tennessee moved the needle with Jake Merklinger. Um, you know, you're going to go back home, talk it over with his family. Um, if he takes the visit to North Carolina, then he, there's still something, you know, he, he, he's still trying to find or see or, or, or whatever. If he doesn't take that visit, I have a feeling that Tennessee's, you know, going to be a, you know, the trendy pick here for Jake Merklinger. Um, it, it would be a nice, really nice quarterback addition to this class. Um, you know, outside of that, I thought they did themselves a lot of good with Amari Jefferson. That one's gotten tougher, um, you know, but just he he jives with Kelsey Pope, smart kid. Obviously, the baseball side of things. Even though we talked about this on the Rock Top Rewind, you don't see it much. But I mean. If you're thinking about playing two, would you rather play two at Georgia or Tennessee? I mean, Tennessee's football team won the Orange Bowl. Georgia's football team won the national title. Tennessee's baseball team right now is much better than Georgia's. So does that matter? You know, or has he officially moved into, I'm definitely a football guy, and, you know, we'll let the chips fall where they may. Um, you know, I, I look around. I love what they did with the offensive lineman. Jesse Perry, doesn't don't feel like he's close at all. Ronan O'Connell? I could see him coming off the board sometime in late April, early May, 
Maybe it stretches into the summertime, but I, I feel like Tennessee did themselves a lot of good with him. Uh, Jonathan Eccles, you know, very, very, very good weekend with him. Kind of calmed the the uneasiness after having Alex Golish leave and, and then hiring Alec Ablin. Abe, I thought, had a really strong weekend with both he and Max LeBlanc. Uh, tied in from Chattanooga Baylor, who I think is coming off the board for somebody in the next couple of weeks. Anybody not make it in uh, numbers wise? Did they get everybody in that they were kind of expecting? And was there any uh, no shows that were of significance? No, it was all good. Everything's good. Um, another big weekend this weekend. Braylon Russell will be here on Friday, the running back from Arkansas, who Carter is supposed to be in here next weekend. And, uh, you know, uh, so will the DBs from St. Francis. Uh, Iffy. Luke and Iffy. You know, I think the bigger, the big question too coming out of this weekend, this past weekend and this coming weekend, Austin, is who do they turn around and get back for the spring game and who gets back up here to see it again? Does a guy like, like Ronan O'Connell come back up again within a month's period of time to see things? Do they get Jesse Perry back up here? Can they get Amari Jefferson back yeah. up? Here? You know, I think that's, that's a question mark that you have, um, you know, to, to help Tennessee, to, to build off of this weekend. And, and I know that's what coaches are always asking to do is for guys to come back up. But which one of those particularly in-state guys, do they come back up for the spring game? Do they come back up unofficially again before taking an official visit sometime this summer? You know, because it sounds like a bunch of those in-state guys are going to do June official visits, and a lot of them are going to come off the board by August 1. Yeah, right? that's the new trendy thing. We saw it last year, June officials, and then a bunch of July decisions. Um, you know, which makes everyone number one signing day. Um, you know, uh, I would say Ronan O'Connell and Max LeBlanc are to me the most likely to get back here before the end of spring practice. Let's go through some other in state targets real quick. Not necessarily that we're here this weekend, but where's Tennessee? Boo Carter, Edwin Spillman, um, you know, some other in state guys that Tennessee really likes. Uh, you know, Edwin Spillman went to Georgia this weekend, going to take the official visit to Ohio State June 9th, uh, Tennessee the 16th. I believe that's the dates. Um, and then, uh, you know, make a decision after that. I, I still like Tennessee for, for Edwin Spillman. Why would you not? Brothers committed here. He was here this weekend. I just think Edwin's kind of doing his due diligence. He's being a kid. He's taking some visits. Um, Boo Carter, uh, feels like that one's getting closer. Um, you know, going to take some visits, you know, this summer. We'll see if uh, we'll see if he does anything before then. But I think you're looking at, at, at the latest, a July decision for Boo Carter. Last thing we want to hit on here on the VolQuest podcast here on this Tuesday edition of it, Tennessee baseball. New lease on life a little bit. Brent Hubbs, um, complete 180, flipped the script. Now it wasn't perfect as I wrote the 3-2-1, but uh, Tennessee baseball looks so much better this weekend against a quality opponent in A&M than they did last weekend on the road at Mizzou. And, that's the table for what's to come. Number one, LSU this weekend. Yeah, I mean, maybe it was because the barometric pressure was better for the Vols. Maybe that's the the qualifier. This this program does not seem to have any use for cold weather. Um, they look like a total different team in the warm sunshine. And, and they mirror the you then. <laughs> yeah, they do mirror <laughs> me uh, for sure. Uh, but you know, I, they, they still did some things that that they've got to clean up. Right, there's some misplay the ball. You know, position misplay at times. Uh, but overall, much better. I, I thought it was big that Dolander got a rhythm going in that game on Friday night after the tough start. Uh, Chase Burns got hot, played really well, and pitched really well up into that sixth. Um, 
and for me, Eric, I think the other takeaway, and, and maybe I'm in the minority here, their bullpen was was really solid, was, was really good. And if they threw a ton of arms, it was like everybody gets to throw on Sunday. But everybody that did throw seemed to throw the ball pretty well all weekend long out of the bullpen, which is a positive. I'm sitting here grinning ear to ear because, you know, a three-hour and 30-minute game on Sunday, game three, when you're leading by, you know, four or five runs at the time, and you call on three different guys to get three outs in a one-two-three inning in the eighth, that's – that's a whole lot of fun, but there's there's a method to the madness. They need to get those guys work in. Um, they might have to use them, you know, this weekend and and what's going to be a big time series against LSU, uh, which has got an incredible offense. So you might need a whole lot of arms. You need to get those guys some work in. So I get it. Um, something else you mentioned for Tennessee over the weekend. They, they came from behind all weekend long. Um, they they proved that they can win games that way, and also they walked it off on Saturday. Yeah, it was a sack fly. Yada yada. It's still walk off. I thought that was I thought that was big for Tennessee in that regards. And another big takeaway for me that you saw in the three two one on Monday, man, TV. He's he's trying everything. I can't can't fault this staff for trying to find a way to make it work. Is it ideal to have Jared Dickey as a catcher? No, it's not. It's not. But they're trying to they're trying to piece everything together and make some things work. And and this weekend it worked. This upcoming weekend maybe it won't. But um, I, I think that they're still. Trying to figure it out. Uh, bats came back. They came alive. Good to see Blake Burke swing the bat pretty well. Uh, good to see the bottom of the order. Zane Denton had a career day as he was moved down to the nine hole, but also Christian Scott had a good weekend overall. Hunter Inslee had a good weekend. You mentioned the starting pitching. Um, it, it, it's a good rebound, but again, still, still some questions, and obviously a, a big-time weekend coming up against Dylan Cruz, Tommy Tanks, and uh, you know, Paul Skeens and LSU. Yeah, it feels like, Eric, that this baseball team, that they're just not going to be settled all year long. I mean, it's going to be a variety of different lineups, and, and it's going to be about matchups. And, yeah. um, you know, I don't say piecing it together, but but it's, you know, I, it's not, I don't think it's going to be uncommon for a guy to bat fifth on Friday and ninth on Saturday. I, I don't know that that's just going to be the craziest thing ever because I think they're going to shuffle all around until they – I don't know that they'll ever find kind of their set group and, and set set lineup like, like you saw them have a year ago. Well, for the first time, I mean, going into this weekend, and, and granted you came off a, a horrendous weekend in Mizzou, I get it, but you know, one through six was pretty set in, set in stone. I mean, that, that's pretty much what you knew you were going to get. It was the bottom of the order they were trying to figure out. But Griffin Merritt's slumping a little bit. Zane Denton was slumping a little bit. Um, just trying to figure it out. He mixed some things up. Hunter Inslee is now probably a, an everyday player, especially with the injury to Kafaris Tears, which is so unfortunate. We'll monitor tiers. We'll see what's going on this week. Um, man, it's a shame because uh, waited so long for his opportunity. He was getting everyday reps. He was just killing the baseball, hitting over 425 ABs, six extra base hits, and 11 hits overall. Um, hamstrings are delicate, though. you got to take your time with those. But anyway, I think we, we know Hunter Ensley is going to be an everyday player now. But also with those matchups, as you mentioned, when there's a lefty on the mound, you're going to see Cal Stark in there somewhere. You're going to see Hunter Inslee in there. When there is a righty on the mound, maybe it's more Dylan Dryling. Maybe it's more some of those other guys. So a lot of moving pieces, but Tony Vitello, Frank Anderson, Josh Elander, all those guys trying to make it work, trying to push those right buttons. This past weekend, and Tony Vitello always says this, you're the hero whenever the buttons you push work. You're the goat whenever they don't work. So they worked this past weekend, and we'll see what happens this weekend for LSU. While the porch with Luke Lipsy is coming out, It'll be a game day release at this time on Thursday, but uh, plenty to discuss from this past weekend, of course, looking ahead to LSU. All right, that's going to do it here for this edition of the Ball Quest Podcast. 
awesome, awesome coverage, and we can't thank them enough from Exterior Home Solutions for making all of this possible. Free estimate. Go ahead and give them a call today at 865-524-5888. 865-524-5888. A free estimate. Give Exterior Home Solutions a call or go to their website, exteriorhomesolutions.com. For Austin Price, Brent Hubbs, Rob Lewis, I am Eric Kane. Go ahead and subscribe to the VolQuest YouTube channel and check out our work and join our family over the General's Quarters and at VolQuest.com. You've been listening to the VolQuest podcast every week here on VolQuest.